The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Dynamic Healing with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom. Folks, today we have an interesting topic, the power of choice. So you may have more say over your quality of life than you might really think that you do. The choices you make can stimulate neuroplasticity changes in your brain that become embedded with repetition. David? I'll just start with a quote, is that one of the greatest regrets in life is being what others would want you to be rather than being yourself. And we're focusing on one part of choice today because the brain is incredibly neuroplastic. You have 80 billion neurons in your brain, nerve cells in your brain. Each one of those is connected to 10,000 other neurons. And that's only 50% of your brain. The other half of your brain is called the glial cells, which is of the supporting structures. Then each cell is actually separated by a little space called a synapse. So the brain is an incredibly active physiological structure. And my concept of neuroplasticity is changing a lot. There's a book called Live Wired by David Engelman out of Stanford. And after I read his book, I realized that the brain is like a hive of 80 billion honeybees just crawling all over each other to actually interpret your world to understand the life so you can interpret it well. So what he his, one of his points in the book is that humans' brains develop compared to other mammals by interacting with other humans. So what happens is that other mammals can get on their own relatively quickly. Their life is sort of simple. They don't have language to screw it up, so to speak. And so what happens, humans are unique and then we're very dependent on our personalities, our life, our life outlook by interacting with other humans. So the brain is incredibly physiological. It's a central relay station where signals come in, signals go out. Your brain is Switzerland. Your brain is neutral. It'll interpret any sensory input in a way to allow you to survive. So your choices have huge implications. So every move you make today, every move you make is determined by every life experience you've had up to this very second. It's pretty enlightening. We realize that what you're doing today actually keeps changing your brain, changing your brain, changing your brain. So it's based on choices. 
It, it really does. It's it's so I'm so blown away by the fact that choices and how I speak, what I do, what I think, really is strongly influenced by our past, right? I mean, it, just like you said, it's 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 so mind blowing that when we're not aware of that, we'll get into this a little bit more as we unpackage this, is if you really think about your thinking <laughs> or even our choices, it's all pre-programmed stuff. Right. And we're, we're just, it's almost like we are in this trance of our past programs. And every now and then we stop to smell the roses. And it's almost like chronic pain or chronic life problems or difficult life struggles seems to wake us up to it, but sometimes we don't see that as an opportunity to transform ourselves, David. But I think it's very powerful for, for the message that we're sending everyone is a lot of things we do and how we interact. So this this makes sense on why sometimes you're nasty to me, David. Um, so. <laughs> a good defense is a good offense. Oh, I see, I see. That's how we're gonna go with it today, okay, right? I, uh, just for the audience note, I didn't start this one this morning. I was perfectly <laughs> serious. <laughs> Uh, the naughty kitty me it came out. So David, back on track here. So oh, I, really, that. Yeah, I really think it's powerful for us to just really just reflect on that part is a lot of things and interactions, how we treat our spouses, ourselves and others, and whether we exercise today or meditate and do things that are healthy for us. The past seems to be constantly interfering with our presence in the moment that we experience is. And we sometimes don't live a, a fulfilled life because we're so stuck in this sort of trance of the program of the brain about from the past. Well, what I'm learning with this neuroplasticity process, and again, neuroplasticity just defines that your brain changes. There's new neurons, new connections, new what's called myelin or insulation. Cells grow, cells die. They change every millisecond. It's incredibly dynamic structure. And you and I don't use the word mind-body so much anymore because the brain is just a unit. You, I mean, the body is just a unit. You can't fly a Boeing jet without a computer. You can't run your body without a brain coordinated every function of your body. So your brain's taking a sensory input from your skin, your eyes, ears, nose, mouth. All these things are given sensory input into the brain at the same time. And your brain's processing some total of that in a way that keeps you safe. So again, humans have language. We know that emotional pain and physical pain are processed the same way. Remember, pain just says danger, mm -hmm. which is anxiety. So anytime you're anxious or angry, something in the present now is threatening, but it was programmed by the past. So Les, you want to talk about a little bit about the ACE scores? And we're going to talk about several episodes just on ACE scores, but just re briefly mention and we really are at the mercy of our past. <clears throat> you can say we really are victims of our past. And until you develop awareness of the past impact on today's actions, you continue to be a victim of your past. If you, yeah. come, you, have, a, you have a high A score, then it's a tough start. It really is, David. And I think the audience, uh, let's, let's clarify what ACE is. And, um, a stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And um, if you don't believe Dr. David Hanscom or myself, uh, I assure you will believe Dr. Google. Um, and so if you Googled ACE, A-C-E, study, and you will see the CDC 
has put out a great page on this. Adversive, adverse childhood experiences basically was done, was a study done in the late 1990s by Dr. Folletti out of Kaiser in Southern California and discovered by accident that a lot of people who experience um, difficult situations when they were growing up, whether it's not just sexual abuse or physical abuse, we're talking whether you witness domestic violence, emotionally unavailable parents, um, you know, alcoholism at home, mental illness, things like that. And, and, and about a third of us really do experience a lot of this. And we want you to know that ACE scores, adverse childhood experiences, so your past really predicts your medical health conditions and mental health. They found out that people are likely to be caught up in addiction, depression, chronic medical conditions, they even predict cancer, diabetes, some real, real horrific stuff based on your past. So what we want to pause here and really reflect again, besides the, the past showing up in the present and impacting our choices, David and I want to emphasize that where you were, your biography, who raised you, what you experienced, really changes your biology. And that biology today is reacting. So that's why David and I say is that the past is sort of we're sometimes a victim of our past, and we don't know it until we become fully awakened with, uh, to it. David? Well, I feel more strongly about that, and that we are victims of our past. Until we're aware of what the past is doing to us, we have no choice. And so we've talked about the A scores are bad, and the you say, well, how can a, a rocky childhood predict future health? Well, remember the dynamic healing, you have your stresses or your environment or circumstances, then you have the reactivity of your nervous system, and then you have your physiology. And when your physiology is in fight or flight or threat, and it's sustained, people get sick. So if you come from a difficult past, it's like a feral cat. You're hyperreactive. It takes less stress to set off this fight or flight response. Where you come from a nurturing background, you trust lots of different things. You're not overreacting, and you're in fight or flight less. So the essence of healing is minimizing your time in fight or flight, and getting into safety. So with this difficult past, um, you have a hyperreactive nervous system. And the problem I had, I had a difficult past, is that you don't know it. I mean, this is the way you were raised determines mm -hmm. your current moment. And you had no you had no choice. You had no choice. You came from a really chaotic household, which I did. My A score was five, by the way, which is a very high score. If your A score is three or more, you have double the heart disease and really high numbers of what Les just talked about. It's a big problem. So it's like a feral cat compared to a domestic cat. And you, it takes a lot of work to tame the feral cat, which is doable. But you have to first of all, be aware that you're a feral cat, which I had no idea I was a feral cat. So I will say you are victims of your past. You're at the mercy of your past. And so the first step in the, in the entire purpose of this today's podcast is creating an awareness of how much the past actually comes into today. In fact, in other words, if you're not aware of your past influences, awareness creates that space between your past and this very moment. So unless you're aware of the impact in the past on all your actions today, you are at the mercy of your past. So the question we have is, what do you actually want your life to look like? What do you want? Are you going to stay with old familiar patterns, which I think most people actually choose to do that, honestly, because we don't know anything different. 
or do you want to create your future in the way that you want to create it? That's really the key question here. And so the only thing we're really trying to emphasize today is that awareness is the first step in creating change. You have to be aware of your past, the impact it has, how you're showing up today. So by the way, awareness cannot exist with anxiety and anger because anxiety and anger are automatic hardwired reactions to a threat. You have no choice over these things. They're very powerful. They are necessary. You are not going to get rid of them. And the only choice you have, as our friend Bruce Lipton has pointed out, is you, you must also talk to the hard drive of your computer as you try to do battle with anxiety and anger. They're automatic hardwire survival reactions, but you can reprogram them. And that's where choice comes in. Yeah, I, I think that's, the, it sounds like for, you know, I was getting sad the moment you were talking there. I was like, wow, we're screwed. Um, you know, many people might be listening like, well, I'm a victim of my circumstances. You don't understand how bad I've had it. And it sounds like what you're really saying, David, to, to the audience is this, it does not have to be a dismal life. You may have had a very difficult childhood. And some of us who think we had a pretty good childhood, but by the way, a flip side of that, David, just in our passing here, some of our patients will tell me, hey, I had a great childhood. And then I ask him this question, would you be willing to take one of your most sensitive child or someone that you know in your family who's a little kid to go through your life? At that point, they tend to say no, because then we uncover that you don't have to have sexual abuse or physical abuse, not having warmth, not knowing what love feels like, not knowing what safety feels like. That can be a form of ACE. You may not have an alcoholic mom or dad or, or whomever raised you. However, not knowing what safety feels like and constantly being on vigilance and, you know, I've got to do this to be perfect. That does impact your biology. And what we're trying to show everyone and really emphasize is that the past really had very little choice when you were growing up. Now we want to shift your attention to is wake up really be aware as David is saying is to create how would you like your life to be and David uh, a simple exercise I tend to do with many of my patients in my office is this and in groups is this I tend to ask this question what do you want your life to have looked like at your deathbed how have you lived your life because if you can't figure out what you want your new life to look like ask yourself at the end of your life how did you live your life? Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
That's a great question. And I have pointed out many times that when you do your process or my process, that we use tools to process anxiety and anger, but the healing occurs actually as you live your new life. In other words, as you move your brain into more functional, enjoyable circuits, that's where the healing occurs. And that means every day you make choices over and over and over again, every day to process anger and anxiety, separate your identity from it. Then you move into these new circuits, but you can't move into the new circuits if you're stuck in the past. So going back to our series of catch, check, and choose, you have to become aware that you're reacting. You have to check where that's coming from, what you do with it. Then we're, we're again spending a lot of time on choice because it's that choice after choice after choice that actually changes your brain. So I'd like to read something from a Dr. Anthony DeMello, who is a Jesuit priest. And this book is called The Way to Love, which is really the way to awareness. And it's really, it's really not a religious book. He just calls life out the way it is. He is the most clear writing I've ever read. He's a very famous writer. <clears throat> he died in 1987. And here's just, I want to read a couple of paragraphs. Has it ever struck you that you, had to, that you have been programmed to be unhappy? And so no matter what you do to become happy, you are bound to fail. It is as if you fed mathematical equations into a computer and then failed each time you pushed it to turn out lines from Shakespeare. If you wish to be happy, the first thing you need is not effort or even goodwill or good desires, but a clear understanding how, of how exactly you have been programmed, exactly what we're talking about. This is what happened. First, your society and your culture taught you to believe that you would not be happy without certain persons and certain things. Just take a look around you. Everywhere, people have actually built their lives on the unquestioned belief that without certain things, money, power, success, approval, a good reputation, love, friendship, spirituality, God, that they cannot be happy. What is your particular combination? And again, since we're programmed, again, Dr. Engelman out of Stanford points out really clearly how neuroplastic our brain is. Humans are completely dependent on interacting with other humans for their development and how they navigate life. So we have a whole emotional life being based around language that we have to navigate this incredibly complex that my cat doesn't have and your dog doesn't have. So we have a lot of complexity about how to navigate our lives based on our past programming. So it's, I know you keep using this term. I mean, you've used the term multiple times. It's that you, the brain is very physiological. It's not just a circuit board. It's not just this abstract thing called the mind. It's a circuit board. And so it's very physiological. It changes every second. But as you, as you pointed out, your physiology is what's determined your psychology. Right. It really does. And, you know, it, it comes back to this over and over again. David, um, you know, could you give us an example? I mean, you've, you've talked openly about your childhood and things that you've struggled with. And I grew up in a very strict family, loving, the warmth was there, and, uh, but the demands were really high. How, what was your past like and how, is, how are you making changes now? So the audience, uh, we, we can really learn from this is your difficult old familiar patterns and how are you creating the best life possible now? What's your, where are your choices now from the past? Well, first of all, I will say that I don't go, I won't go into detail because I think 
a lot of people have trauma, different forms of trauma. So my, I had a rageaholic mother. She's probably unipolar um, manic depressive. I mean, I think she was psychotic. And she'd go into these rages for two or three days where she would scream and she would yell and she would take a big six foot belt and beat her kids. I mean, it was a bad deal. Then all of a sudden the phone would ring and she'd pick up the phone and be, be as pleasant as she could be. I remember as a six-year-old going, what is going on here? I couldn't figure it out, but that was my norm. Yeah. So jump way ahead. I developed chronic pain for 15 solid years and um, it was bad. I was suicidal. I had extreme anxiety. I had multiple physical symptoms, migraines, burning sensations and rashes, but I had started some writing exercises and things were starting to change a bit. And it was in Mother's Day, 2002, I was at my house in Oakland and my now wife and stepdaughter were washing the car, beautiful day, could not have been a better environment. I was completely miserable with anxiety. And somehow the word victim hit my brain. And I go, huh, that's interesting. So I realized that there's a circumstance that I was, I was a victim of my past. I did not know what a victim was. In fact, my identity was not being a victim. My thing is bring it on. I could take on anything and I did. So to me, the word victim was really not a very pleasant word. It certainly didn't apply to me, but I was a victim. I was a victim of my entire past. At that moment, I realized it was very powerful. I said, I'm done. I'm just not gonna be a victim anymore. Now, again, the decisions made multiple times a day, every day, because we are victims of all sorts of stuff. And guess what? Until you are aware of what your past is doing to you, you are at the mercy of your past. So you're definitely at the mercy of your programming until age 12 or 14, maybe even 16. But even as an adult, unless you understand the impact of your past on your current moment, you still, you still are at the mercy of it. So the key word today is you can't make a choice until you until you are aware of what's actually going on right now. Yeah, I think that that's 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 a powerful message you send us, all of us, and many of you are out there in the audience with difficult past. And I want to really reiterate what David said: the past. We are often victims of our circumstances when growing up, and that's why I have that statement. Our, our biography, who raised us, the experiences becomes a biology. And as we go through life, we tend to react from that programmed, that those, those, the past thing that makes many of us a victim. But I want to point this out to you, David, and maybe a different word for you and uh, the audience is you're no longer a victim because you're fully aware of the fact is that's the past. And now you have a choice. The word that we need to kind of really, really, um, put on a pedestal now is, and, and to, to highlight your successes and you know the kind person that you are, the, the, the giving physician that you are and the things that you've done for this world and to yourself and to your family is you're victorious. So when we say you have choice, when you become fully aware, you're no longer the victim and you have a choice in how you wish to show up every single day, simply during difficult moments, asking yourself, during this difficult moment, how do I wish to be towards myself, others, and or the situation? When you start to do that, you tend to apply choice in how you wish to show up during difficult moments, moment to moment, and even unexpected life events. When you do show up in that manner for yourself, to be kind, to be compassionate, to be forgiving to yourself and others, in doing so, you come out of victimhood into what we call victory mode. 
I like that. that that's really excellent. Um, by the way, with this book on the way to love, it's really the way to awareness. Um, when you choose, okay, so you're a victim. Remember, there's a sequence of being a victim of circumstance, real or perceived, um, blame, victim, mm -hmm. and then you're angry. Mm -hmm. So that's a consistent sequence. We have a circumstance, blame, victim, anger. And so once you understand anger and frustration, that when you're angry and frustrated, you're in the past, something in the present triggers something from the past, and you react. That's what you're supposed to do. I don't put my hand on a hot stove because I've been programmed from past experience that that's going to hurt. Right. I'm going to talk to a certain person who is a bully because it hurt. So again, the programming is there. So if you're always reacting to all this stuff, again, you're not who you are. You're just a product of all your past experiences. Yes. So what you so what Demela points out is that just awareness actually solves the problem. But one point I want to make is that you can't fix your past. You actually can't fix your brain. And a friend of ours, Dr. Navio, puts up a slide about the mitochondrial dysfunction, which is the very small parts of the cell. And he shows a picture of a burned down house. He shows a beautiful house and the burned down timbers. And his point is that you can't build, rebuild the house with the burned down timbers. So... You know, with trauma work, you, I spent 13 years in psychotherapy, which I'm not against by any means, but I was trying to re rebuild my brain with the burned down timbers. I was trying to fix the past. And what, it, what you need to do is reconstruct your brain, train it to feel safe, train it to move forward. And that awareness is the first step. So you need to, so as I've reconstructed my brain and I, we, I've done multiple things to do that, some successful, a lot of them not. Right. As you reconstruct your brain, you become less reactive. You spend more time in safety versus fight or flight. So um, we're going to talk about this in detail over the next few podcasts, but let's you have something which has been really helpful for me and also, again, humbling, is that how do I appear to the world in difficult moments, both to others and also to myself? Yeah. And a lot of times I don't like it. I think that's why people choose not to do this because you have to be very humble at the end of the day or you're humbled at the end of the day that awareness is a humbling experience. It really is. And, you know, as we close out this program, I really want to emphasize and tie a bow on this with everything you just said a few seconds ago. I want the audience to really know this, that you're really not broken or the fact that you need to be fixed or the fact that you're damaged. You're actually stuck in a cycle, a trance of your past programming. And part of what we are really wishing for everyone to do so you can have the best life and to live the best life is to be able to be aware when you're operating from old programming messages. And at that moment, when you notice it, watch your body, become fully aware of what's showing up inside your mind, your body your facial expression, your tension, your fist, you know, what's, what are you doing? What are you experiencing? And in that moment, that's the past showing up in the present moment. And so we become victims of the past in that sense. And we're really saying that you're not broken, damaged, or need fixing. You're stuck in a cycle. So get out of the trance by becoming fully aware. Excellent. So we will be discussing many facets of this over the next couple episodes. And again, the key today is awareness, awareness, awareness. 
and you can't make a change until you until you are aware what is already there. So, Les, thank you. Dr. Hanscom, and, as always, wonderful message today. And we'll talk soon. David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.